Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel chapter 14? It's a long chapter. We're going to look at part of it tonight. The, a really interesting way, let me put it this way, a really interesting way to study the Bible, especially the Old Testament, is to study it by characters, by the major characters that you see. We, uh, in, a, in a major sort of way, I think we've already been introduced to him, but we're going to be completely introduced to a character who for this, for this part of the scriptures proves to be a, a fairly important character in the scriptures. But to see how God works in their lives and to know that, this, that, that God works by the principles of who he is. So it's, it's an interesting study. There are many, many ways to study the Bible and by major characters is one of them. Now when you study by characters, sometimes you'll skip small portions of the scripture to pick up with the next character. Uh, but still it's one good way to study the Bible. So we're going to look at one particular character tonight. Others are in the situation as well, but one in particular. So let's just consider this as a sermon that I call God plus one. Now God doesn't need the one. God can do whatever he wants to do in any way that he wants to do it. But the truth is that there is great power if someone has enough faith, if he just is sold out to his faith in God. He has a great resource upon which he can draw. And there's a great story here about Saul's son, the king's son, whose name is Jonathan. Now, Saul has pretty much been accepted as the king, and he's at war. This is pretty much his resume as king. So we go on here with, uh, I don't know how I did that. I'm magic. Is that it? Yeah, okay. When we know that something has to be done. And we are alone or in the extreme minority, but have an extreme unction to act in behalf of, of God in a situation, then we should have the attitude that Knowing this is what we are supposed to do, if he has to, Yahweh will act for us. So let's look at it here, beginning in verse 1. It came to pass one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the youth who bore his weapons, Come, let us cross to the garrison of the Philistines, which is on the other side yonder. But he didn't tell his father. You know, just like a young guy, right? Now Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah under the pomegranate tree, which was in Migron. And the people who were with him were about 600 men. And Ahia, the son of 
Achitub, the brother of Ichabod, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the, the priest of Yahweh. You remember Eli from way back in the early part of 1 Samuel. And Shiloh wearing an ephod. So the, the priest has the ephod. What is an ephod? Well, it's one of those things. It's, it, uh, it designates him as the priest, but it also, it also helps to determine the will of God. Sometimes it'll light up when you're supposed to do this or that or show you a direction. And the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the sides, which Jonathan sought to cross to the garrison of the Philistines, there's a rocky crag from this side and a rocky crag from this side. The name of one being Boses and the other being Sena. One crag was situated from the north opposite Michmash and one opposite Giba. And Jonathan said to the youth who bore his weapons, that is his armor bearer, come let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps Yahweh will act on our behalf. The Philistines are in the land of God's people. The Philistines have asserted themselves and have arrogated themselves as the overlords of God's people. Jonathan and every other Israelite carried in his heart, in his spirit, and from God above the deed to this whole land. This was not the land of the Philistines. And the people of God generally, all during the era of the judges, had shown themselves to have no heart. They weren't, they weren't the warriors that some of their forebears had been. And they just didn't want to fight. Cowards. And they were cowards because they didn't have the level of faith that some had had in their history. The level of faith knowing that this is what God had commanded them to do and this is what has to be done and therefore Yahweh will be on their side. So it's just the two of them here, Jonathan and his armor bearer who was a young man as well. Remember, we saw last time that the Philistines had weapons of iron they were in their day technologically superior. The best anybody else had would have been brass weapons that could not have stood up to steel weapons or iron, iron weapons. Saul and Jonathan, his son, were the only two Israelites who had iron swords, iron armor. So they sneak in. Now, I told you last time, these garrisons were strategically located. And, you know, in the garrison, uh, there would be a band of Philistines who would occupy the place. And their job was to make sure that the Israelites remained in submission. They would subjugate them. They would harass them. They would, they would kill them. They stole their food. They stole their goods. They stole their stuff. If it looked like that any little group of Israelites was setting up a little village and beginning to prosper in any way, it was their job to go down and rout out and kill and burn the village. 
I've told you earlier how they would carefully watch the Israelites grow a great harvest of food. And then just as they brought the food into the barns, the Philistines would come down and raid the Israelites, run them off and steal their food. And all they had were um, farmer tools, farming tools, and they were no match for the for the warriors that the Philistines were and especially trained in the weapons that they had. So they were in a mess. Now, finally, here's a guy, Jonathan. He's saying here, he's saying, you know, y'all, perhaps Yahweh, let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps Yahweh will act on our behalf. We're not going to really realize how far we can go with our lion-like hearts until we step into the fray. The garrison would be, oh, I don't know, two, three dozen or so uh, Philistine soldiers. They weren't expecting anything. They, for hundreds of years, had not had any trouble out of the Israelites, or for scores of years anyway. So they certainly didn't expect that anyone would come in from the Israelites and dare to challenge them, even though this has already happened once. Now, Jonathan is alone except for his armor bearer. And he says, let's go see how far this will go. Yahweh is not limited. There was only Jonathan and then the minor player who was his armor bearer. Just two of them against a couple of dozen or whatever of well-armed Philistines who were warriors, Jonathan had only recently gotten into this kind of game. But these guys were hardened battle soldiers, warriors. They're in a place that is a garrison, so there would be plenty of arms for them to use, and it would have been fortified. You think that matters to Yahweh? Of course not. Consider how Jericho fell without his people even, even having to attempt an invasion. All they had to do was march around the city, and it fell. The Old Testament is replete with stories of how Yahweh would fight the battle for them. So let's keep that in mind. Yahweh is not limited. Yahweh can do anything he wants to do. And here are two guys, one major player, one minor player, and they are willing to step up even to go all the way up to the garrison. Now the armor bearer would give Jonathan his armor and Jonathan would dress like a soldier of war. But he's an Israelite. So what will that say? What do you think that says to the Philistines? 
Jonathan said to the youth who bore his weapons, Come and let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. For with Yahweh there is no limitation to save, whether with many or with few. So Jonathan has this great faith in his heart that this whole thing belongs to Yahweh. It doesn't matter how great or how strong or how skilled Jonathan was. What mattered was that Yahweh is never limited. If he has somebody out there, it's only, you know, that's this person then could be seen by the whole nation as a single person. What could Yahweh do with an entire nation if they were as dedicated as that one warrior, that one young guy? His weapon bearer said to him, do all that's in your heart. Turn to you, turn to yourself. What do you want to do? Basically is what he's asking. Behold, I'm with you according to your heart. If you go, I'm with you. Jonathan said, Behold, we are crossing over to these men, and we shall reveal ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, Wait until we reach you, then we shall stand in our place, and we shall not go up to them. However, if they say to us, Come over here to us, then we shall go up, for this is the sign that Yahweh has given that they are in our hand, and this will be the sign for us. So, if they say, we're coming to you, we're going to stop. But if they say, come to us, we'll know this is of Yahweh. And you see this kind of thing several times in the Old Testament. So, filled with his faith, trusting Yahweh for a sign... They come ever closer to the garrison of the Philistines. And both of them revealed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, Hebrews are emerging from the holes wherein they hid themselves. So it's sarcastic. They're making fun of them. And the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his weapon bearer, his armor bearer, and said, Come up to us. Okay, now Yahweh's in it. And we shall tell you something. Jonathan said to his weapon bearer, come up after me for Yahweh has given them into the hand of Israel. It's almost like Jonathan is just filled in his spirit with, with the, the spiritual revelation that because Jonathan is willing to do what he's willing to do against insurmountable odds, Yahweh is going to take the battle right through Jonathan into the faces of the Philistines. So Yahweh has given to them the sign. And Jonathan says, this is all we needed. Yahweh has already given us this fight. Yahweh has already given those people into the hand of Israel. And he saw himself as the representative of, of his subjugated people. Somebody, somewhere, has to step forward. Jonathan takes this upon himself. 
So here comes Yahweh in action. One of the things Yahweh does is he takes the fight out of the heart of the enemy. I remember it was in the early 90s, I guess, Desert Storm. The first George Bush was the president and he with with an alliance of other nations had amassed a tremendous military. And uh, Saddam Hussein was all these, you know, man, our Republican Guard, they're like monsters. They can do this and they can do that. And you're going to come, you're going to come into the fury of hell. We will bathe you with hit all these words and stuff. I watched this, we watched this on TV practically hour after hour. Live feed. And you saw it as it came down. Uh, They came up with that phrase, oh, shock and awe, shock and awe. And we were watching these CNN people huddled in their bedroom in a a hotel in, in, uh, I guess, Baghdad. And stuff started coming from everywhere. And bombs were going off everywhere. It even scared the CNN people to death. Their voices started trembling. Scared me, and I was on the other side of the world. And they bombed and bombed. It was at night, and the lights were lighting up everywhere. You could see bomb after bomb after bomb going off. And then in just a few days, there was this line of Iraqi soldiers. They were the Republican Guard, the elite of Iraq. The ones who were supposed to bring death and fire and fury in the desert in a line that stretched as far as you could see and they were running. They were begging for mercy. I saw it on television. The soldiers would come in the Humvees and the armored personnel carriers and those tanks that could go 60 miles an hour come out. I mean, they just had them and then those those Blackhawks or Apaches or whatever, they were just all over the place. And these people, these guys that were supposed to be the fury of the world were crying like babies, falling down and begging for mercy and all this kind of thing. It was really kind of pathetic. Because even before the war started, the fight had been taken out of their hearts. I've seen that happen a lot of times. Just on the mat or in a ring or something, you know, just, you can see, you can see. They've, they've melted, their hearts have melted. Now, this is what happens here. The Philistines, they have the numbers, they have the weapons, 
They have the technology, but they don't have the heart because God took it away from them. Look at this. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and on his feet with his weapon bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan. His weapon bearer was slaying after him. I mean, (laughs) see, most of the fight is to show up for it. Because the other guy who might be a bully doesn't really think that you're going to show up. And when you show up, they don't. These guys were shaken by the fact that two guys and one of them armed like a Philistine came up swinging that sword. And these Philistines started dying everywhere at the slash and pierce of sword and spear. Two little guys, two young guys. Slaying them. And the first slaughter which Jonathan and his weapon bearer made was about 20 men in about half a furrow which a yoke of oxen plow in a field. That's about one acre. So you have 20 confused shocked Philistines who are watching two focused, committed, determined Israelites, young guys, and they were using weapons like they had had them in their hands all their lives. And they were actually killing the Philistines. They didn't expect this. These guys came right up over that ridge and right after them in about an acre of field. And then that one acre didn't let them go anywhere. Within that one acre of field, when the dust had settled, about 20 Philistines were dead. Then what happened? And there was a trembling in the camp and the field and among the people. the the Philistines. And the garrison and the raiders also trembled. And the earth quaked and became a terror inspired by God. So the fight was taken right out of the hearts of the Philistines such that they trembled in fear to put his autograph on it, to put his signature on it, the earth quaked as well. A terror inspired by God. A trembling inspired by God. People, the enemy, terrorized, inspired by God. God melted their hearts. And they didn't have the fight in them. Yahweh in action, God's people see what Yahweh is doing. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin, and behold, the multitude was wandering. They were scattered. It was coming closer, and Saul said to the people who were with him, inspect now and see who's gone from us. Somebody has stirred something up. Who's not here? They called roll. Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahia, bring near the ark of Elohim, 
For the ark of Elohim was on that day with the children of Israel. And it was while Saul still spoke to the priest, and that he did it, that he had a priest with him for this, that the tumult which was in the camp of the Philistines was continuously increasing. They were, they were scaring one another with their fear. It was a contagious kind of a thing among the Philistines. Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. And Saul and all the people who were with him gathered and came to the battle. And behold, every man's sword was against his fellow because there was a very great confusion. So what happens? The Philistines start killing each other, scared to death, thinking to try to escape and just whack their way through the people in the best way out. But Yahweh had taken their heart away and in the confusion, they were killing one another. One young man inspired the whole nation. The Hebrews who were with the Philistines as previously, who went up with them in the camp round about, they too turned to be with the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. They weren't going to be serfs or slaves anymore. God gave them the heart of a lion, of a warrior. And all the people who were hiding in Mount Ephraim heard that the Philistines had fled and they too pursued closely behind them in battle. You can see it now, jumping out of their foxholes and, and out of their caves and out from the trees where they had hidden everywhere. And now these guys are saying, oh, Somebody just give me a stick, give me anything. I'm going to get me a Philistine. And they came from everywhere and pursued closely behind them in the battle. But it was Yahweh who delivered them. And Yahweh saved Israel on that day and the battle passed Beth heaven. Now remember this. The Israelites didn't have the technology. They didn't have the weapons of war. And they didn't have the numbers. They were greatly outnumbered. But they had the heart. Yahweh gave them the heart to fight because of the inspiration of one young man, Jonathan. And that one young man's heart was so tremendous in his commitment that it caused the hearts of the Philistines to melt. And it got worse. They froze in their tracks and Jonathan and his armor bearer took out 20 of them in, a, in an acre field. But then the word spread everywhere. Just Jonathan and his armor bearer just killed 20 battle-hardened Philistines even though they had these advanced weapons. And the inspiration grows through the hearts of the Israelites. Who did this? Yahweh did it. And Yahweh saved Israel on that day. And the battle passed. Bethaven. Bethaven. Well, great. I mean, how, how many lessons can we extract from this? As committed Bible believing Christians, are we too shy? Do we feel outnumbered? Do we think the technology is against us? 
The enemy has iron swords and we don't have anything but broomsticks. Is that what we think? Do we think that there are so many of them? There's such danger to ourselves. Well, just remember the story of Jonathan. Yahweh can outmaneuver, outdo, and destroy anything. Internet, high tech, numbers, loud mouth, doesn't matter. If his people are totally and absolutely committed to his way and have total and absolute faith in their lives, nothing else matters. Yahweh.